welcome to the Family Tree Magazine podcast, the show from America's number one genealogy magazine. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. Our theme for this March 2000 episode is genealogy websites. So we're going to start over at the Genealogy Insider blog, where managing editor Diane Haddad is going to give us the scoop on time-saving hacks for several of the top genealogy websites. And then we're going to jump over into the top tips segment to cover more genealogy website hacks with author David Frixell. Then in our 101 best website segment, we're going to dig into Evernote.com, one of the favorite websites out there amongst genealogists. And in the Family Tree University crash course segment, Family Tree University instructor Lisa also will be here to give us some tips on how to use another top genealogy website, FamilySearch.org. And finally, we're going to wrap things up at the publisher's desk with Allison Dolan, who has the perfect resource that's going to help you get even more out of all those genealogy websites. There's a lot to cover, so let's get to it. Our first stop is the Genealogy Insider blog with Diane Haddad. It's time to check in on the Genealogy blogosphere, and we'll do that over at the Genealogy Insider blog with Diane Haddad. Hi, Diane. Hello. Hey, our theme for this episode is genealogy websites, and I saw that you had a recent post. It's called um, Nine Time-Saving Hacks for Ancestry, Family Search, and Other Top Genealogy Websites. So this is right up this alley. How about sharing some of those hacks with us? Sure. These are hacks from our March-April 2017 issue, which is a special issue focusing on genealogy websites. So the first one there is that MyHeritage has this really neat mapping feature, which I've kind of been waiting for some website to come out with, where it'll take all the places in your tree and plot them on a map that's interactive so you can zoom in You can click on a place and then view the events and people associated with that place. You can see migration. So it's it's really cool and helpful. Yeah, that is cool. So that's the first one. Yeah. And then the second one is, it's a little bit hard to find. So I don't know if um, people knew you could do this. But when you're searching Genealogy Bank, you can search just newspapers published in a single city. So that kind of helps you weed out a bunch of... um, you know, other stuff that same name people from other places. And it really helps you focus in on the results that you want to look at. So this post kind of explains how to do that. Oh, great. Yes. One thing that I find helpful because I search genealogy websites and I repeat searches pretty frequently is um, to focus in on what's been newly added to each website that I'm looking at. So We have links here and instructions for seeing the most recently added databases and then searching just that database lets you avoid all the matches that you've already been through on the last time you searched the site. I love that idea. And that is something that I think we we don't always think about doing, which is rather than always starting with searching for the, the person or the family or whatever, is actually searching a collection, you know, and then you really get a chance to dig in there and get familiar with it and see what the items are in there that would really help out. Right. And it's also viewing these new collection pages. It's a good way to kind of scroll through and see what kind of coverage they have of the places where your ancestors are from. 
Exactly. So another thing that is very helpful, several sites will have free databases. So if you register for a basic membership at sites like Find My Past and Ancestry and My Heritage, you can access and view the, the free databases. So on Find My Past, they have a section of the website that focuses on what's free. So that's kind of nice and makes it easy to find. Sometimes it can be difficult to find the free stuff. Yeah, and that's a really good way to kind of test drive a website too, just to get a feel for how it works and and what's in there. Yeah, yes it is. And then our last thing in this blog post was previewing information on your matches on Ancestry and Family Search. So you don't click through, wait for the site with the transcription to load, and then click and wait for the image to load. You don't have to do that. On Ancestry, if you hover over the name of the database in your search results, a window will pop up that shows you um, the transcribed information. Yeah, and it's, then it's funny, you yeah. get so excited and you want to click those links. And then as you do this, you start to I saw when you wrote about this, you realize, oh, this is so much faster. It's mm-hmm. great. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't have the habit of using this preview method before. So I click and then I'd say, darn it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wish I would have just previewed. So and you can do the same thing on family search by kind of clicking in the there's a like a blank area underneath the name of the person and the database name click in there and then um, a little window opens down below that search result that shows you the transcribed information ah fantastic hey you you don't disappoint diane (laughs) (laughs) you had a lot of great stuff and and like i i told you guys this is called nine time saving hacks for Ancestry, Family Search, all these top websites that you're using. And she really shows you the kind of the how-to. These are really good habits to start to take on. Thank you so much. Are your genealogy finds too few and far between? Well, author David Frixell covers 18 tech trips for freer, faster, more effective family history research. And it's in his new article, Heritage Hacks. Welcome back to the podcast, Dave. Hi, always good to be here. Hey, I see you've been very busy as ever digging up ways for our readers and our listeners to get more out of their genealogy websites. So hit us with some hacks. Well, yeah, it's kind of fun because, you know, I usually do the 101 best websites. So I'm always looking at uh, for websites that are interesting. And these are ones that, you know, you're probably familiar with the sites, but it was fun to try to figure out new ways to, you know, dig into them or be more efficient with them. So, for example, if you have to keep coming back to websites like Ancestry or Family Search or Find My Past or Fold3, for example, it's frustrating if to think, well, am I missing anything new here? Uh, or, you know, do I have to like plug in great, great grandpa again and go through all those hits that I've already gone through? But all of those websites actually have ways that you can see what's newly added to the, uh, to the site and just search those. So the, the article gives the, you know, tricks and tips as to how to get directly to uh, those things that are new. Uh, yeah, each one of these sites probably has a blog or some kind of a place for this. This That's a great idea because it's true. You don't want to go back to square one. And it'd be nice to actually see that listing and maybe even be able to browse a little bit and see what they have. I, I was also surprised. Now, I subscribe to Ancestry. But if you don't subscribe, I was amazed at how much there is available for free on Ancestry. And we talk about how to uh, 
find all the free databases. In fact, you can just search the free databases on Ancestry. You sort of feel like you're getting away with something. Um, <laughs> but you, you, you have to register, but you don't have to pay anything or give them a credit card or anything. And, uh, you know, the, the numbers of databases that are free, usually because they've had some sort of partnership in creating them, uh, is kind of amazing. Uh, Find My Past also has a bunch of um, free databases, and there are also ways that we talk about where you can purchase a la carte uh, records without having to be you know, a full-blown subscriber. Because you know, some of us don't want to commit. We have you know, commitment anxiety. Exactly, or you just need one certain database. And yeah, it's like what... that one thing you, know, mm-hmm. you can find. And I love that uh, that ancestry, and that's we'd probably look in the card catalog for the free databases, right? Right. And there's there's also there's a page that we, we give the address for it where it lists all the free um, databases, um, and you awesome. can search just the free databases, which is kind of cool. Excellent. You know, if you're a cheatskate like me. <laughs> and let's see here. Um, what other ones are some of your favorites? Gosh, you've got eighteen of them here. Well. I will confess that one of my favorites, which is actually towards the end, is a little thing called the Wayback Machine, and it's at the Internet Archive site. And people use, often miss it because it's sort of this weird thing that, that floats at the top. And the Internet Archive has all kinds of cool things, but the Wayback Machine catalogs uh, and has been cataloging defunct websites um, for a long time. And so... I, I have a certain fondness for it because one of the websites I used to work for is it, that's now the only way to, you know, access it. But uh, if you have found in the past, you know, maybe in your notes you've printed out something from, oh, remember the website GeoCities, for example? They used to host all kinds of things, and then Yahoo bought them and basically shut them down. Well, a lot of those GeoCities sites, you know, say someone in your family, you know, some distant relative had done a site there, and that's where you found the really cool, you know, thing, and now it's gone. Well, right. it may still be findable via the Wayback Machine, and you can search just as you would, say, Google. Um, so it's, it's a very neat thing, and most people don't know that it exists, but I've got all kinds of, you know, old uh, things in my records, and I think, oh, I better, I better go check that source again, and then you look, and it's gone. Yeah. Exactly. Because they're they're taking copies of those web pages, and it's amazing. It, 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 I can't imagine the cloud storage they're using. Oh, I know. Yeah, the the data. I mean, they're you know to be in effect archiving the internet, taking snapshots of yeah. the whole internet at various points in time must be. You know, they must have uh, servers like crazy, but uh, it's pretty cool. Exactly. Yeah, another one that uh, is a, a fun tool, but that has gotten a lot better and people may not realize it is again Google I mentioned Google but good old Google if you haven't tried Google Translate in a while it used to be that it was a useful tool but you'd get it and you know it, you could play the game in fact of taking the website and you translate it into English and then translate it back again and it makes no sense at all after you know a while because the translation was pretty awkward it was like uh, it, it was just sort of dumb but they have done, applied some heavy-duty artificial intelligence to it now. And so it is, it's really good. Um, so you can now put in that you know, German language website um, about your family or about immigration records or something and pop it into Google Translate. And it really makes sense. It's like, you know, like you know, on the Star Trek, they had the universal translator. It's sort of what it's like. And it's, 
got more languages and it has really been retooled in an, in an impressive way. So if you've despaired about ever finding, you know, what those, some of those foreign language things about your ancestors uh, might say, it's worth giving it another shot with Google Translate. Oh, I totally agree. And, you know, you talk about the artificial intelligence, how that system, you know, that they're using is devouring books. And I know that they're devouring books in English, but also in all those other languages. And I know that Google also has kind of a kind of a volunteer project where people can go in and and kind of audit some of the translating and that human element improves it. So light years jump in just a couple of years. It's amazing. Yeah. And it's from something that it was sort of semi-useful but frustrating at what you know before. But when I when I was testing it, it's like wow, this is this is really you know just an amazing. It's like having a you know your little uh, Star Trek translator along with you the whole time. Exactly. Well, it's time to go back and and uh, revisit that and use the app. Of course, they have a free app. See, you can hear it, David Scott. So many awesome apps in this new. Family Tree Magazine article here in the April issue of 2017, and it's Heritage Hacks. There's 18 of them, and it includes uh, all the links and all the websites and all the strategies that he's been uh, just giving us a nice taste of. Thank you so much, Dave. These are wonderful ideas. Thanks for having me. One of the most popular websites with genealogists these days is Evernote.com. And here to tell us more about it is Carrie Scott. She's the author of the book, How to Use Evernote for Genealogy. Hi, Carrie. Hey, Lisa. Hey, I'd love to have you kind of start off by just giving everybody a quick overview. What is Evernote and how does it work? You know, Evernote is a little different than any other tool we use as genealogists. We're all used to some sort of family tree software kind of thing, and we store lots of information in there. And then we have our hard drive, usually, where we store PDFs and photos and things like that. Evernote is a place where you can kind of put every sort of information you have in one place. And so it will take things like a photo of your great-grandmother. It'll take a recording that you did uh, at the family reunion of your great grandmother, you can it actually has its own recorder, so you can record interviews and stuff in there. It'll take a PDF of your great grandmother's uh, second husband's pension file. It it stores all of these different types of information that you have, and then it makes them searchable. You can tag things. If you're an Evernote Premium subscriber, it will index your stuff, including any word on there that's typed, even things like a photo of a headstone. If that headstone is relatively clear, it will index that for you. So when you do a search under that person's name, the photo of the headstone will come up. It's just an amazing tool for storing information in a way that you can easily access it again. So even if you're not an organized person or you misfile things a lot or you just never bother to file them, you'll still be able to find them again. So it's a really powerful tool for that. Great. And you're describing all the different kinds of notes that we take, you know, the pictures and the documents. And, and, and just clarify for everybody, this is more than just Evernote.com, the website, right? This has a couple different components to it as far as how the, the product itself. 
Right. The one of the best things about it is it works on just about every platform you could possibly have. So there's the website, then there's a version for your Mac desktop or your Windows desktop. Then it'll work on your iPhone or iPad, your Android tablet, your Android phone, even a BlackBerry or a Windows phone can work with Evernote. So pretty much any device that you plug in Evernote can work on. So that means you can always have it with you. It doesn't matter if you have to mix and match. Maybe you have an iPhone, but you're on a Windows computer. It all syncs together. So you always have that information with you. So if inspiration strikes when you're standing in line at Target, you can record a note and it'll be on your desktop when you get home. If you meet someone who has the same last name as that great grandmother, you can pull out those notes right there in line at Target and show them to her. So it's the the great thing about about it is it works on every electronic device you're probably using. Yep, you got to love it. It's genealogy 24-7. 24-7, even at Target. Exactly. Hey, hey. so what prompted you to start using it? Um, I actually didn't want to. I tried it out when it first came out. I like to try shiny new things, and I didn't like it. I thought it was kind of dumb. When I opened it up, it looked sort of like a Word document, and I had been told it was a note-taking tool, and I thought, gee, I already have a note-taking tool. I have a piece of paper and a pen, and that works fine for me. (laughs) Um, How wrong I was. I actually, about a year later, had a client who was using it and insisted that I use it with her, and that got me into it. And when I realized how powerful it was and what it could do and how much more efficient it could make me, I was completely hooked, and I've been using it ever since. And I really find that the more I use it, the more useful it becomes. I actually use it not just for genealogy, but for everything in my entire life. I couldn't live without it. Well, and that's what I love about Evernote. And it's kind of one of my criterias for picking technology tools, which is uh, it's a big bonus if it's something that can reach outside of your genealogy life and into the rest of your life. So you don't have to keep learning six different programs depending on what you're doing. You can learn one and use it throughout, which is awesome. Right. So you've already kind of touched on a couple of different ways in which you would use it. Give us some more of your favorite uses. What's going to entice us to start using it? Well, one of the things I'm working on right now, and if you could see my desk, you would be horrified. It's covered with papers. I am taking my ancestors line by line and going through all of my old paper genealogy and digitizing it, which is a monster of a project. But I'm this time I'm using Evernote to do it. I've tried doing this before with an old flatbed scanner years ago, and it was just too tedious. I couldn't do it. But now I have Evernote and I can just take a picture of each document with my phone. I don't even need my scanner. So I can do it at my kid's gymnastics lesson, at my other kid's swim lesson. I can be doing this everywhere. And when I digitize those documents, they are indexed. I have a stack of, for example, Minnesota death certificates right in front of me. They're all done on a typewriter in the 1940s through about the 1970s. And when I take the picture with Evernote, I'm a premium user, so it automatically indexes every word on that death certificate. It's it's the same kind of OCR indexing that we use on the newspaper sites that we all love. So every word on there is indexed, and I can easily find 
anything on there. If I'm looking for the word diabetes, I'll find all the people with diabetes. If I'm looking for all the Nelsons, I will find a big pile of Nelsons. I can even search by both of those things and find them. Even better, though, is I'm finding nowadays I work so much more with living people than I used to. This used to be kind of a solitary thing, but DNA testing has introduced me to a lot of people who are not dead, and I have to be able to share with them. So having all of this in Evernote means I can share that notebook full of stuff on that Nelson line and easily collaborate with all of these new cousins. So when I, when I get an email now from a new cousin... I don't have to think, oh, but my files are a mess. I couldn't possibly share with this person. It's so easy for me to collaborate with people. I can easily send them the entire file because I can either leave it in Evernote or convert it to a PDF, and it's ready to go. So that's one of the biggest uses for me is is storing all of the digital documents that I've collected in, in the past 25 years or so. Another one is using it for presentations. If you're a genealogy speaker, you probably use something like PowerPoint for this. But if you're just a regular person or if you're standing in line at Target, you can click on presentation mode if you're a premium user. This is a fairly new feature in Evernote, and it converts your notes to a really slick-looking presentation. It looks like you spent 10 hours on it. It's so fancy. Um, So it's a great way to get people involved when you're at a family wedding or a reunion or a graduation. You can set up your notes in such a way that you have a few pictures and cool documents and stuff and really get people hooked. It's especially a good way to get young people hooked because they like looking at kind of videos and stuff and this is a way to create them without making any effort at all you literally just tap on a button and it does it is that a premium feature or uh is it available to everybody it's a premium feature Ah, i would argue though that for genealogists premium is really worth it you get a lot more space and a lot more features and it's honestly i think i might go without heat before i would go without (laughs) premium Evernote. I can put a sweater on, but I can't live without premium Evernote. There are a lot of great features in there that are particularly well suited to genealogists. Awesome. Got another one for us? I do. Um, I obviously am a fan of Family Tree Magazine, and there are a few other quarterlies and publications that I subscribe to. And I actually, I used to store those on my bookshelf, but I moved to Albuquerque, and it's very dusty, and I have allergies. So that, And also, how many bookshelves do you have? I, I prefer to use them for books. And what I discovered is I can get digital copies of my publications and store them in Evernote. So they're completely dust-free. I can pull them up anywhere if I'm bored at my kid's gymnastics lesson, I can pull those out and be reading magazines. I always have something with me because it's on my phone, on my iPad, on my computer. It's everywhere. It also, again, because I'm a premium user, I have that instant indexing. So it indexes every single one of my genealogy publications. I never have to stop and think, wow, I read a really good article about researching Catholic ancestors. Where did I read that? I can type in the word Catholic ancestors in Evernote and it'll come right up. So it's a really great way to store all of the, not just the documents related to your ancestors, but all of the magazines and publications and journals and stuff that we get. Um, And it keeps your office clear so that you can order more death certificates. Oh, that sounds (laughs) good. Yes, who doesn't want more 
uh, vital records in their office. And just to just to be clear, when you say indexing, you're talking about the OCRing of your documents. And for digital magazines like that, that might be a PDF format. It's the PDF element that has to be part of the premium. I know that the free version will OCR all the basic notes that you create, but it's moving into the PDF realm that's the premium, correct? Right. And also JPEGs. When you take a photograph of something like a headstone or um, the cover of a book that you see at a a presentation or a conference or something, um, if you're a premium user, those will also be indexed. So I've even taken pictures of, uh, like in in my town, like most towns, we have a, a monument to people who died in various wars. I can take a picture of that standing right there in the monument in the park and every name on there is indexed within a minute or two. Exactly. And I don't, I don't even have to convert it to PDF. It'll do it right there in the, the photo, the JPEG. And the JPEG, that's free. You can do that in the free version. So that's awesome that, you know, it's going to be able to take pictures that we're constantly taking on our phone. Carrie, thank you so much for not only kind of introducing everybody to what Evernote's about, because it is one of those most popular websites out there, but also some of the really uh, tangible ways that people can start benefiting from trying it out right away. Very cool. All these ideas and a whole lot more come out of her book. It's called How to Use Evernote for Genealogy. What could be better? Carrie Scott, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. Thank you. If Ancestry.com is genealogy's class president, then FamilySearch.org is, I think, the popular big man on campus. The free genealogy website is from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It's among the top online resources for family historians. It's got more than 3.5 billion names in searchable databases and 1.2 billion names in family trees. And the best part is that it's free. So here to share some tips from this uh, big giant in the genealogy world is Family Tree University instructor, Lisa Alzo. And she's going to be talking to us about one of the online kind of uh, self-paced study courses called Become a Family Search Power User. Welcome back, Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for having me. You know, I'm always surprised as I'm traveling around and talking to people that uh, there are still a lot of people who don't use Family Search, maybe are new to genealogy and aren't even aware of it. So I'd love to have you kind of start off by giving us a quick tour. What are some of the key areas that people are going to find at FamilySearch.org? Absolutely. And I find the same thing. And there's just so much on Family Search, and it just gets better and better all the time. So, of course, you've got the the main meat, which is the historical records collection, the digitized records that they're have been bringing online and continue to bring online at an amazing pace. And so, there's you know searching all of those wonderful collections, and not just U.S. but international, and but also people forget that they have a a wonderful wiki where you can go 
and find information about any country, any topic. They also have a, a family tree a section where you can create and submit your family tree. And they have a memory section where you can put stories and photographs. And then they also have a wonderful learning center, which is just full of instructional videos and and help, extra help. And there's just so much uh, there to explore. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And I, I think they're really trying to kind of hit it from all angles, because everybody has different reasons, of course, you know, for, for researching or different ways in which they get involved in family history. So there is something there for everybody. I know in your course, you kind of help prepare people not only to get started, but then to kind of make the most of it, figure out what some of the tips and tricks are. What are some of the uh, strategies that you recommend to users? Well, first of all, we, we start off with the the searching historical records, and it, it can be a complicated thing. Most people go to the site and kind of just put their, their family's names in, but there is an art to searching, and what we teach is we, we not only uh, talk about, you know, doing a global search and give, give some of the strategies for that. Um, the, the course is made up of a, a combination of uh, written lessons and some actual videos where you can see searching in action. And so we, we talk about the global search. We talk about how to refine it when you get so many results and how to filter those results, getting exact matches, you know, and then also searching in specific record collections, because that's one of the tips is if, you know, you're doing this broad search, but maybe you just really need a a certain uh, collection. And so, and then we teach how to, you know, save the records that you find. And so that's, that's some of the things that we get started with. And then we move on to some advanced uh, record searching. So uh, things like the International Genealogical Index, IGI, uh, the Family Search uh, books that they have, and there's a whole section on books that they've been digitizing. So we go into that. And then we go uh, into uh, things like the, the family search family tree and then other sort of advanced tips and, and help that you can use to continue your research. Does family search support search operators? You were talking about refining and kind of filtering down. Are there certain things we can do to kind of tell family search what to do with the words that we're searching on? Uh, there, there are certain tricks. Uh, many people are used to maybe the operators in Google and so forth. But you know, the biggest thing is you know you can certainly use the wildcard searching, uh, you know, with your asterisks and so forth. But you can also, I, I think, one of the the key things is to really filter those searches uh, because there's just such an enormous amount of information, and especially. If you are going to at some point want to cross the pond, uh, like many of us do, and you know, we're searching, you know, country records, and and of course, not all of the the record collections are searchable by name. Some of them are browse only. So uh, I think getting those uh, filtering those searches in the in the specific collections really helps too. So yes, operators are are supported. Uh, as I said, th- there is a video in the course that goes through all those specifics of searching. 
you were talking about specific collections, and I, and I totally agree that there are times where you're just so much better served to spend some time getting to know the collections uh, that are available and then picking the one that's right for your you know, genealogical question and then doing some searching within that. How does somebody go to FamilySearch and actually find specific record collections versus going and just entering the first and last name? Uh, there's a there's a browse all collections and you can click on that. You can also type in places and and you can narrow it down by keywords and so forth. But once you do the browse all collections, you can find it's organized by specific countries and continents. And and so for example, you can do U.S. or you can do uh, continental Europe. And then once you get to say continental Europe, you can go down the left hand side and see it by country. So if you're looking for Italy or Ireland, or for me, I'm looking for Slovakia, what does family search have on Slovakia where my ancestors are from? So I can just quickly scroll down and see, you know, what, what databases are there. So it's, uh, you know, there's several different ways to, to find those specific collections. And we, we go over that in the course. Um, also, of course, you can always go to the wiki and the wiki will link you, uh, you know, for a specific location or a specific a topic, it will link you to relevant family search collections. That's a great tip going into the the wiki. It's almost like Wikipedia, but it's for family history. It's put together by family search. And wow, they I know that a lot of the experts who work over at the family history library um, contribute to the wiki. So you're really getting the latest and the greatest. Last question for you. I'm kind of interested, you know, we know that new records come online all the time. And how does somebody stay in touch? Can you set up an alert that tells you, hey, we've got new records? Or do we kind of need to follow their blog? What's the best strategy with that? Well, if you sign up for a family, a free family search account, which is easy to do, uh, and you, you get a username and password to log in, and uh, you can you know sign up for their newsletter, you can sign up to be notified by email. So every now and again, I will get a notification, hey, these are all the, the collections that we've brought online this month. And so, uh, but also, of course, following their blog and following them on social media is, uh, is a great way to learn more as well. So yeah, there are many different ways. And we do go over that in the, the last lesson of the, the course. We talk about the Help Center. There's many different uh, options for getting help with your you know specific questions or specific uh, searching in the database, but also, of course, you know, as I said, if you sign up for that free account, and then you you can subscribe and get notified. So it's really it's really a great thing. So you don't have to you don't necessarily have to keep back going back and looking all the time. Uh, but I I do anyway. I always go in and make sure that I'm I'm looking on my own as well and not just relying on the notifications. But I'm going back in and you know I'm I'm constantly seeing what's what's happening what's new. Oh, terrific. Great recommendation. Well, as you can hear, Lisa really knows her stuff when it comes to family search. And this is a great course, if you really want to get the most of it. Wow, this is, you know, familysearch.org is a free website. And so getting this kind of in-depth training is going to really help you get the most out of it. And they are constantly adding to the website. So there's always something new. I will have a link in the show notes for you to the become a familysearch.org power user. And hey, Lisa, thank you so much for, for sharing your ideas. And we look forward to having you on the podcast again soon. Thanks so much, and I, I look forward to talking to you again. 
Well, let's wrap up this episode devoted to genealogy websites over at the publisher's desk. And we'll do that with Allison Dolan. Hi, Allison. Hi, Lisa. You know, Allison, we've been talking to um, a lot of folks who gave us a lot of great tips on websites that some might be new to us, some many of them we've used before, but we got some really great new ideas on ways to use them. And I know a lot of this information is all contained in that awesome new issue that you just released of Family Tree Magazine. Tell us about that. Well, it's our annual genealogy websites guide, where we look at user tips and how to's for the best websites on the internet for doing genealogy. So this is kind of different from our 101 best websites annual guide. It's sort of a list. This is really going more in depth on the different websites, but it's also got some interesting gems and that's what I want to talk to you about today. Yeah. I noticed that, uh, Leslie Huber has uh, her article underused and underdiscovered. And you and I were just chatting before we kind of got started about uh, some of these. I haven't heard of a couple of these, and I bet you have some favorites or some ideas on how to use the ones that she's identified here. Let's do that. Yeah. So one of the things that I love to use the internet for in my genealogy research is adding context to the names and dates and places in my search. And there are tons of great websites where you can do that. And in this article, Leslie has highlighted a few that I think are really great for that purpose. The first one is called Archaic Medical Terms. I know, don't know about you, but I've found many a death certificate that had some language on it that was a little confusing to me in terms of the cause of death or the illness. This site is drawing upon something called Antiquus Morbus, a glossary of archaic medical terms, diseases, and causes of death. So say your ancestor died of something called watery grapes um, (laughs) or pyrexia. You have no idea what that means. You can come to this website and check it out. Even if you don't have a term that you're looking for specifically, I think it's fun to see how the language has changed around different conditions just by poking around and seeing what it was then and what it is now. Oh, gosh, yeah, I've run into a couple of those myself. So (laughs) that could come in quite handy. Definitely. And so another thing that I like is when I'm researching a new place, I want to learn as much as I can about it, or if I'm trying to figure out exactly where that place is and how it fits into the context of my search. And there's a site called ePodunk. And as the name implies, it captures those little places that um, may not be immediately something you would recognize. And um, it covers U.S. towns and some Canadian towns. And you can look up places from the past and view other statistics about it, including population and um, a map and cemeteries and ethnic makeup. So that's a great way to kind of quickly get acquainted with the places that your ancestors lived. Yeah, this was a new website to me. I'm going to definitely go check it out when we get done here. It says, so the address is E-P-O-D-U-N-K, epodunk.com. And as you mentioned, they even have the Canadian version. So you just put a C-A dot in front of epodunk and it works too. Yeah, pretty cool. 
So the last one that I wanted to mention is something called Gen Disasters. So this site covers those crazy events that have happened in the past, like train wrecks and shipwrecks and accidents and floods. And these are the events that had a big impact on our ancestors when they were living. And understanding those events can really help us get a sense not only of the context that they lived in, but also it might point you to records that could help flesh out your story, newspaper articles and that kind of thing. And so um, I find this to be a really fascinating place to poke around. And even if it doesn't have my ancestor mentioned directly, I love learning about the details of those historical events. Oh, me too. Now, this one has a little different website address. It's www.gendisasters.com. And of course, you could probably always Google it as well. So that's three that are really unique, uh, kind of off the beaten path. And there's about 29 in here, right? Yeah, there's 29 in this article. So as you can hear, there's a lot of stuff out there to find, maybe places you haven't even traveled yet. And this new issue, it's the April 2017 issue of the magazine, is going to get you there. Well, this is fun, Allison. Thanks so much. And uh, we'll talk to you next month. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me for this March 2017 episode of the Family Tree Magazine podcast. It's the monthly show from America's number one genealogy magazine. You'll find the show notes webpage with all the details and the website links that we've been talking about over at familytreemagazine.com slash podcast. Thanks again for joining me. I'm Lisa Louise Cook, and I invite you to visit me at my website, it's genealogygems.com. And there you can listen to my free podcast, the Genealogy Gems Podcast. And of course, that's also available for free through iTunes. And we have an app for that. Until next time, have fun climbing your family tree. Mm-hmm.